This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Outside of it. Sorry. We were discussing inside out backpacks. Yes. So as a fun jump cut into what Alexia and I discuss outside of this podcast. Uh, yes. She sent me a picture of this really awful Titanic backpack <laughs> that has uh, Rose and Jack post coitus printed on the backpack and like talking to each if other. If anyone is here as a Titanic fan, which I hope you are, this is the you're trembling scene in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, really the thing that you want on the back of your backpack as you're yeah, walking yeah, yeah, through yeah. high school. Totally. Um, and I was saying that I wish that this was like an inside out backpack. So you could turn it inside out. And on the other side would be Rose and Jack at the very end of the movie, frozen in the water. I also want to read you the text, which is I'm some of it is cut off, but I'm guessing it. It says, I don't want anyone else to have your heart kiss your lips, hold your face in their hands, or be in your arms because that's only my place. Jack and Rose. Remind me who said that. Was that Jack? Nobody. Okay. I don't know where that's from. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't want anyone else to have your... I'm Googling this now. I don't want anyone... uh, uh, This just seems to be like... I just Googled it and it's like a generic love quote of some kind. See, and I was going to say you're going to find some like website that's like 10 signs that you're in a toxic controlling relationship. He says this and it's that line. Uh, I know I've got results from texturelove.com and marriage.com. You, someone made this as their vows. You know that. Oh. Uh, so yeah, inside out backpacks? <clears throat> Inside-out backpacks are pretty fun and fancy-free, wouldn't you say? I don't know what fun and fancy-free means. Stop trying to make fun and fancy-free happen, Gretch. I'm gonna make fun and fancy-free happen. I wrote that down somewhere in my notes. I wrote down somewhere like, stop trying to make fun and fancy-free happen. Because they turn it into one of those things where it's like, this just shows you how many phrases they tried before something like Hakuna Matata caught on. (laughs) yeah i guess at least they didn't title the lion king hakuna matata (laughs) i just got coconut water at my nose uh yeah for lion king excuse me uh oh by the way i'm alexia (laughs) and i'm galley and if you've been listening to this podcast without knowing who we are i'm kind of impressed actually (laughs) same because i i've listened to some podcasts where i can't tell people apart but i i happen to think that we sound different enough i think I don't know what you're talking about. We both have very similar voices. Right? (laughs) This is is now the Barbie and Oppenheimer. uh, Yeah, this is. I will be playing the part of Oppenheimer. (laughs) Hi, Barbie. Hello, Oppenheimer. (laughs) I I haven't watched the movie, but I'm going to pretend like that's what he sounds like. I haven't seen Oppenheimer either. And I know every like before they both came out, people were saying, you know, if you have to see one in theaters, go see Oppenheimer. It's, it's, it's a Nolan film. Well, you know, Nolan's known yeah. for cinematography, blah, blah, blah. Barbie was a fucking beautiful good time, and it was great. I loved it on a big screen. It was sparkly and hysterical and colorful and wonderful. And I personally think, again, personally, I think I can wait to see Oppenheimer until it's on a small screen. It seems very 
plot driven, which again, isn't bad, but I don't necessarily know that I need to invest the time in, it's a, in a three hour movie in a theater, especially with like my shoulder being as bad as it was. Barbie's two hours. And by the time I left and had dinner with friends, I was like, I need to go home and light out. I mean, if I'm going to be spending three hours <laughs> in a theater, I'd probably rather be watching The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, I saw Titanic uh, in theaters again. That was another, that was a good time. I don't know that I want to see Oppenheimer. Did I'm curious if you saw Titanic in theaters. Did they also have the intermission? No. Oh, they st- so I, I saw it obviously when it first came out in theaters and I distinctly mm-hmm. remember an intermission. Same. There was an intermission. I think it is just a guess, but movies now almost, it's almost like a blockbuster film, a major blockbuster movie is going to be a minimum of three hours. Mm. I just think that we are adjusting to films being three hours, like Avengers, three hours long, Lord of the Rings, each three hours long. Most movies are now between two and a half to three hours long, just as a runtime. A movie that's under two hours is short, in my opinion. I think we've just gotten used to sitting for longer freaking movies. Well, thankfully, the movie that we're watching is not three hours long, because if it was, I don't think we would have been able to get through this podcast. No, I would have skipped it. Yeah. So do we want to get into fun and fancy free? Let's get into fun and fancy free. Fun and Fancy Free is a 1947 feel-good package-era film that hits you with factually incorrect depictions of both bears and beanstalks and a barely-there-through-plot that brings in live-action puppets because Disney wants to add a dash of trauma to everything he touches. Seriously. Notably, this is the last time Walt Disney voiced Mickey Mouse before turning the honor over to Jimmy McDonald, who took the mousy reins from 1947 until his retirement in 1976. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, fun and fancy free, we find ourselves with Jiminy Cricket, presumably hot off abandoning yet another wooden child, telling us about how people spend too much time being miserable and a student should instead just focus on being fun and fancy free. He kind of glosses over some very bad news that is unfortunately still relevant today while espousing the belief that you should just ignore whatever is happening in the world, not take any actions to address your mental health and your relationship to outside stimuli, and just be happy. Just just do it. Mm -hmm. Somehow, Jiminy will get us to understand the benefits of living fun and fancy-free by showing us a short about a depressed circus bear who finds violent love in our first segment in the film, Bongo. We jump back through to the through plot with Jiminy Cricket, who has discovered an invite to a neighbor's party. The the danger of trapping the dog in here with me is that he's interrupting. Oh, no worries. He's no more loud than a cricket. Jiminy Cricket has discovered an invite to a neighbor's party, but unfortunately arrives to find that is just a live-action middle-aged man forcing a young child to watch him do a double act with his hand while the man's two sentient puppets sit around and make snide comments. They're not sentient. They So they make it seem like I know that it's supposed to be him, but they make it seem sentient because they talk when he's not next to the puppets. I think he's just off screen in those seconds because when he's next to them, you can totally see him doing the ventriloquizing. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, I'm thinking that this is what they were intending. Oh, yeah, you're right. I was just like, 
because every time he's sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you was like I know I was wondering that too but then every time he was next to them they didn't do any like framing device to have say a puppet facing the camera but just the back of his head so it was abundantly obvious he was controlling them yeah but but he there's definitely scenes where like this guy is standing um up front and the puppets are sitting down away from him and they're talking and i think like they're moving and everything while he's like i i i think that that was just i think you're right and i think making yeah i was gonna say i think i just got distracted by that (laughs) <laughs> which is by the fair. fact that i was like seriously well we're gonna get into that hand puppet that he does yes, too please. because that was horrifying Jesus. um but you know what don't think too closely about what we were just saying because this is all just a device to tell the real story of the final segment in this package film mickey and the beanstalk and i bet you've seen this short And if you haven't, I bet you've seen parts or stills while idly watching or playing anything that stars Mickey Mouse. Sorry, I just got a text message from And Pizza, because I'm somehow still on their text. And it says, pizzas that punch harder than Jake Paul. Ooh, they're they're social media. It's kind of funny. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I have interrupted you twice, but I... That that needed that needed to be shared. I'm sorry. Needed to be shared. That is an eternal, eternally good line. <laughs> so the plot to Mickey and the Beanstalk is pretty simple. It's just Jack and the Beanstalk, but with Mickey, mm-hmm. Donald, and Goofy as the starving peasants who happen upon the ma- magic harp that's trapped in the giant Willie's castle at the top of a magical beanstalk. We snap back to the live-action world, and just as we think this is a tall animated tale, some adult man tells the random child he has trapped in his puppet hellhole, (laughs) the real, quote-unquote, Willie the Giant appears by ripping the roof off of the house and asking where Mickey is. And as confusing as all of this is, I guess we kind of go against the trend of Disney package films, and we actually get a little bit of a wrap-up ending. Uh, because the giant moves on from this one house as we discover that he just wants to be the Hollywood Godzilla. And he moves through L.A., slowly ripping up buildings while searching for a tiny mouse. Hooray! <laughs> I'm just it, glad that there were only two segments in this one. Same. I, I think that my this is, you know, my overall problem with the package era films is that, you know, like you discussed last week in um, <clears throat> Make My Music, the animators had mostly been drafted to the war efforts. So they're running on a shoestring staff and trying to churn out movies still. And that's why they're kind of these oddly disjointed, half-baked idea things. And yeah. it really fucking shows because like, also another thing shows. So when um, So we <laughs> open up with Jiminy Cricket again, as you said. And I immediately was like, this isn't the same voice actor because he sounds different. So I looked it up. It is the same voice actor, but he was apparently known for alcoholism and smoking, which would explain um, what happened because this was what, uh, almost seven years between Pinocchio and Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me, because he sounds really different. Yeah, and I didn't even think about that. But it, it's actually, it's funny that you mentioned smoking because mm-hmm. um, part of the reason why Walt stopped doing Mickey's voice was because he was also an avid smoker mm-hmm. and Mickey's voice was destroying his, well, 
he was destroying his vocal cords, but doing the Mickey voice was not helping. I can imagine it's not. Like, I've never tried to do the Mickey voice, but oh, I imagine that's talking like this all the time. Can't be that good for you. Yeah, mentally, it would also really mess you up, wouldn't it? Not even that, but I'm also <laughs> thinking of, like, the actor who plays Donald Duck, Clarence Nash. Hey, how does he do that? Yeah. The- how does he do that? Like, that- <laughs> I can't, I can't even. I can't. <laughs> It's like, huh? I don't know I if it's even getting picked up on the mic. I can't hear what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> Does that get picked up? No. Okay. It's not. All, it all sounds. Was, it looks really funny, but it doesn't get it picked does. up. That's it does. That's probably good. It kind of looks like you're blowing kisses like a fish. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> I can completely see that. Like, I I have a lot of congestion right now because it's cedar season in Austin. Mm-hmm. But doing that, the Mickey voice alone was a little difficult because it yeah. makes a lot of sense. But yeah, we start with Jiminy Cricket, who I did not, again, instantly recognize as being as such. And I really liked in, I don't remember the lyrics, but in part of his song or the intro song, they were basically like, fuck medicine, use magic. Yes, I wrote one of the lyrics down. For oh, that. good. The only tonic you should take is a tablespoon of song. Yep, that's it. I write that on the the fucking backpack. That's that <laughs> makes as much sense with the somebody, picture of Rose and Jack. Next time somebody asks me for like Advil or something, <laughs> just I can give you a tablespoon of song. The only tonic you should take is a tablespoon of song. I'm gonna get hit. Yeah, I feel like the reaction that to that should be, well, how about I just give you a teaspoon of fuck off instead? Basically, yep. Yeah. Um, and the oh. other large fuck off part is that Jiminy Cricket then starts singing us a song, as you said, where he's basically saying, "People should be more like me because I don't care about anything." And it's sort of like, no, you not caring about anything is exactly how we got into eighty-seven percent of the trouble in- that we got into in the first place. Yeah, it really was. Um, and it was kind of crazy because I I wrote like, Jiminy Cricket is. Uh, walking into like a uh, a bookshelf and I wrote some of the yes. titles of those books down and I yeah. also wrote down some of the newspaper article titles okay. that j- this and, and again for context keep in mind this is a cricket just being like walking over all of these things and being like you guys don't need to worry about any of this stuff it's not important yeah 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 no 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 ignore all this <clears throat> so the books that Jiminy walks over the titles are Misery for the Masses Basic metabolism, okay. Uh, anatomy of melancholy, and proverbial philosophy. I kind of remember proverbial philosophy because I think that's the one he's standing on. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, basic metabolism kind of made me very confused. Yeah, I have some questions about that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, some of the article titles that we see flash on the screen as again, Jiminy's just like, "Don't worry, be happy." Uh, human race going crazy savant claims oceans will gobble earth scientists forecast Ooh, that one was sad Ooh, (laughs) inflation foreseen by economists no shit no shit if you listen to our last episode we talked about how like 24 dollars uh from 1947 (laughs) is equivalent to about 400 dollars today you can't even imagine Extinction threatens world millions. 
world millions. Um, civilization doomed, cries Congress group. That doesn't All sound right. like Congress. And then perhaps the most damning and horrifying article title of them all, Community Picnic Postponed. Great. That's that's the full title. I, I think that maybe we should worry. I think we should worry a lot about all those things. <laughs> what we shouldn't worry about is the fact that we get to see the sexy, sassy goldfish. Yes, I was going to say. She's yeah. back. She's back. Kind of also um so the lead into bongo is that he's like he sees a toy um bear and a toy doll that kind of look a little sad and the toy doll looks like a saloon girl but when jiminy knocks her over she goes mama right i wrote that down too i was like why is this prostitute saying mama yeah why i shouldn't it shouldn't it instead be daddy or or hey there <laughs> just something not mama <laughs> yeah like not don't, don't do that um and jiminy is like i've got a great idea to cheer up this bear and this whore i'm going <laughs> to play them some music and he turns on this oh my goodness record there we yes. go. He turns on a record. I almost said CD. It's like I knew that it's was the, wrong. It's a big, <laughs> big wrinkly CD. It's fair. Yeah, it's an old CD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he turns on that really old CD thingy and puts a funnel on it. And um, the song he plays for us is the next number, Bongo. Yeah, I and I and and he introduces this by saying, "You ought to try my recipe. Be full of fun and fancy free." Shut up. Jiminy. Yeah, I, I just wrote <laughs> basically <laughs> that. I don't want to listen to my cricket. I don't want to listen to my cricket, and I never wanted to listen to my cricket. Um, but we meet Bongo, who reminds me of Dumbo. You know, yeah, he's like star of the circus. He's good at everything. He can jump off a five hundred million foot platform onto a wet sponge. He can climb. He's a master at jujitsu. Says the poster. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have seen him do the jujitsu because instead what we mostly get to see him do is ride a unicycle, which takes talent. Yes. But I kind of want to see a bear do jujitsu. I would love to see a bear do jujitsu, but we just have to take his word for it because we also then find out that not only is he an A plus star and performer, but instead of being treated well, uh, he clearly is also a member of the Dumbo Circus of Animal Cruelty. Yeah, I, I said that he uh, needs to actually join Dumbo's communist circus, like the end of Dumbo, yes. when it seemed like the animals were being treated better. <laughs> yeah. Because, but, oh, he's so sad right now. I know. Aw, he's a shad beer. Yeah, they put a little little collar and a leash on him and drag him into his his little prison. But we don't have to feel too bad for him for too long. Because he does escape, but before he escapes, he gets absolutely haunted by the ghost of his freedom. <clears throat> yeah, so as this train he's in is chugging along, a spectral version of himself is outside, like, running and sliding along the hills in the landscape, going like, come, come, Bongo, come. Yes. And I was trying to figure out, like, was this supposed to be 
um, has Bongo always been a bear in captivity or was this like the before times? Because he's still wearing a suit and, and like pajamas when he's in this fantasy, but he might have just been a well-dressed bear. I think the implication is that he was born in captivity because he knows all this circus stuff and he doesn't know bear customs. That's fair. He really doesn't know bear customs, but no, I do really like his snazzy pajamas. He does have very snazzy pajamas. But he doesn't get a good night's sleep because even though he has like a nice day frolicking and meeting all the critters and stuff, as soon as night falls, this turns into the most hostile nocturnal forest. Like everything is the loudest thing ever. Well, okay, so he does actually escape. Yes, he does. He does manage to escape following the ghost of his freedom out to his actual freedom. Yeah. With his unicycle. He brings his unicycle when he escapes. He does bring his unicycle. And I, I feel like this was watching him, um, like, when he first got out into nature, I was like, oh, is he going to hate this? Like, is he more of a city bear because he just can't stand it? <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. Uh, did you also catch, like, two chipmunks that definitely seemed like proto-Chippendale? I didn't clock them as proto-Chippendale, but I did clock that there was a bunch of really sassy pairs of animals excuse me i've got the hiccups oh no what a bad time right it's fine it's fine oh live fine fine. (laughs) um i did i did like watching the bear frolic when he could though uh especially because i realized that we had a plot to fill for 30 minutes so oh my god this was a super long segment Mm -hmm. like it takes 15 minutes before we meet cutesy bear that's not her real name, but <clears throat> yeah. So the we we get to see um, as as Bongo's kind of frolicking, he ends up finding <laughs> a sexy, sassy lady bear who like looks like the female version of him. Yes, and her name is Lulu Bell. <laughs> this is very much the uh, Disney female counterpart animal thing. Yes, she has lashes and a bow, and she a bow or flowers, whatever. She had like flowers on her head. Yeah, she had flowers on her head um and i guess she kind of teaches him the way of bear love but not all the way not all the way because we suddenly like is there's like a weird moment where they're apparently performing for all of these bears yeah i wrote down in here where did these bears come from because literally the two of them are alone nose to nose being all sweet and then all of a sudden there's literally like two dozen bears just descending from the trees like what's happening here do you think that they were just like peepers like they were just like "Ooh, we're gonna watch some bears do some stuff in the woods like we do maybe and they were like what's what's all the what's all the sitting and the staring (laughs) yeah why aren't you guys doing it we're so upset with you and then of course because Nothing can just go smoothly. A big fucking massive, he's described as like the biggest, the angriest, and the meanest bear lump jaw comes ambling out. He is so, dude, he's strong. He can break up a whole fucking boulder. He's like the one punch man. He is. um, And because bears have like no communication, of course he's like, oh, hey, I see this one lady bear. She's like the female Smurf. There's only yes. one lady bear. <laughs> she is very smurfette. She is very smurfette. I should also say that um, bon- 
Bongo and Lulu Bell are about knee height compared to the size of the other bears. So they are obviously made for each other. Every- everyone else is a normal bear size. They're like dog sized. Yeah. They, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So Lulu Bell would have been destroyed by Lumpjaw. Yeah. And here's the thing. Lulu Bell is like, hey, hey, hey don't, don't worry. I got this like under control. And so instead, and so she slaps Bongo because apparently in bear, that means that I love you. And so instead of doing something logical, like giving her him her cheek and going, tap me back, just do it. She just doesn't. And of course he's sad because she just bapped him in the face and she's like, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. He's just a little surprised. Okay. And she hits him again. And then when he doesn't respond, she gets actively mad. She goes to like for real hit him, but he dodges it. And she does one of those woo 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 and spins around and accidentally whacks Lumpjaw, who is to- totally thrilled with how this is going. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you didn't know this absolutely completely made up fact that Disney did, um, bears apparently express their love by slapping each other. Yeah, and we don't find this out until Bongo retreats later and watches everyone celebrating the new couple from above, where they sing a song that's called, like, Say It With a Slap, where they explain, other animals show love in this way, but we, we, we show our love with domestic violence. Yeah, <clears throat> a bear likes to slay it with a slap, is one of the lyrics. Yep, that is. Constant think, lyric. Yep, like the chorus or something. So I, I was kind of curious if, like, maybe Disney had a first draft that was more realistic, but they had a really hard time coming up with a musical <clears throat> number where a bunch of bears pee and smell each other's piss. Because that's Probably. actually how they, like, determine, quote unquote, love. It's mainly more they're ready for mating. But, but not this, this is case. so bonkers. This yeah, is- they, <laughs> they just slap each other and Bongo immediately realizes this and suddenly is like, I got this. So he takes his miniature unicycle, crashes this wedding, <laughs> and challenges Lumpjaw for Lulu Bell. And suddenly all the uh, uncertainty is gone, all the lack of survival skills. None of that shit matters because he's got his unicycle and he basically turns into like his own little superhero, just dodging and ducking and totally outsmarting and outwitting this other bear. Yeah, he became Bongo, the terror on one wheel. Yeah, basically. <laughs> His unicycle. Um, and I, I, you know, got to be honest, uh, I don't know how fun and fancy free this battle is. It seems pretty serious. It seems a little s- for seer for seer. Because, yeah. you know, despite all the lighthearted, haha, look at me bowing as he tries to hit me so he doesn't hit me. At the end of it, uh, they end up in the river, he and Lumpja on a log, which is mm-hmm. heading towards a waterfall. They go over. Lumpja is presumably killed because that was a big waterfall. And yeah. Bongo is saved because the hat he's wearing, which has an elastic chin strap, gets like stuck on a branch. Yeah, Bongo survives by uh, choking. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he manages to get himself up and over the lip of the waterfall all the bears start clapping and he runs over to lulu bell and they both slap each other i have a question for you okay if a bear 
slaps its own hand is that self-love is it going like i love me so if you just clap a bunch you're you're rearing yourself up yeah you're like yay i love me i'm so full of self-esteem and bare butts i like that idea uh so i I would like to know why Disney decided on a slap, because I came up with a couple of alternatives. Let me hear it. Uh, a bear likes to slay it. Wow, slay it. Oof, wow, no. Ooh, slay. Slay. A on bear, the runway. <laughs> a bear likes to say it with a snoot to the boot. <laughs> a butt tap. A punch in the face. Or a bear hug. I like a bear hug. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't go with bear. Like, that seems like the obvious thing. Maybe because it was too obvious. Oh, yeah. Disney wanting to subvert all of our expectations for how bears, like, interact yeah. with each other. You can't be, like, too obvious, Kathy. That's fair. I didn't think about that. Me neither. But no one has to think about anything anymore because that's over and we're back with Jiminy Cricket and somehow his magic has made the bear and... And the saloon doll, happy. And they're sitting, holding Yay. hands, having a grand old time. And he's like, my work here is done. And just like goes to leave when he stumbles upon the world's most convenient party invitation. Yeah. Just, just out there, just like, hey, come to this party. Cricket's welcome, I guess. Well, it also says, it doesn't say like, you know, if I send you an invitation, it would be like Sunday, August the 6th. Yeah. This one is just like, tonight at the house across the way it's like you better hope that you delivered and opened that on the same day is this what the world was like before the internet like we would have couriers appear at our front doorstep saying hello you are grandly invited to a party at your neighbor's place won't you join us you have probably. 30 minutes to reply and attend you bring a well probably you just send your your own servant back with the carriage and your calling card like we shall be there yes we will be an hour late however because we're richer than you uh i want to know who the invite was for though because when we get to this other house what we find is a little girl uh oh, luana um she has a, a name she does her name is oh. luana uh a grown man his name is edgar bergen yeah he's an actual real ventriloquist he is and his two puppets that i wish weren't here charlie mccarthy and mortimer snurd and i yeah hate and his third puppet his hand uh yes we start off the party by the way with ophelia i believe is her name yeah, he's done yeah. the thing where he draws eyes on his hand and then turns the thumb and pointer finger into lips using lipstick. And then he covered it with what looks like a, a dish towel to be a head scarf? Maybe? I, I was disturbed by this because he used black grease paint to yeah. do the eyes, nose, and the lips. So it looks more like the mask from Scream. Yeah, it's pretty awful, honestly. It's it's kind of horrifying and we have no do we have like did i miss that there's any context for why this child no why are they wearing party hats why well i think it's her birthday i think it's her party so was the house that jiminy came from oh wait 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 
No, I think that she lives in that house. I'm wrong. I think the invitation was for the little girl who lives in the house with the doll and the teddy bear. Because in the wiki here, it says he notices a birthday invitation to Luana Patton, and that's the name of the girl who's at the party. Her name's Luana. You know, maybe a predator should have tried this instead of trying to get kids with candy, because apparently all you need to do is say, hey, I would like to invite you over to my house for your birthday, little girl. Don't bring your parents. No, just come hang out with me and my two puppets who seem to know you. Yeah, there was some backstory here that I didn't feel comfortable with. No, I did not like it. Uh, what I actually wrote here was, what a horrifying fucking party. And then he asks, um, what should we do next? Because I guess they were done eating cake or whatever. And Charlie, one of the puppets says, like, want to watch me slug rats? Like, what? Like, hit them? Yeah, like he wanted to just like punch rats. What? Right. What are you doing? And so... Bergen decides that instead of beating up Rodentia, what he should do is tell a story. And so he tells them the uh, Jack and the Beanstalk parody with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, as as you said earlier, the starving peasants. Yeah. Oh, I also made a one quick note on one of the other puppets on Mortimer Snurd. I said that he looks like the type to kill a rabbit by hugging it too hard. <laughs> Yes, he does. They're both horrifying, and Charlie looks like he likes pyrotechnics too much. Charlie said one line that I actually kind of liked, uh-huh. um, but I was very annoyed by him, and we'll we'll uh, we'll get to that line. Um, yeah, Jack and the Beanstalk opens with a song of some kind, which I don't remember. All I wrote was, "I hate all these songs." It's. I didn't even write the lines to that either. But you know what did get me is the title of this is Mickey and the Beanstalk. But I'm like, but it's Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Yeah. Why does Mickey get all of the credit? Because he's the mouse. Duh. So rude. It is rude. Yeah. I I, So the one thing that I remember from the song is um, I think there was a lyric that said, the world is gay. What a happy day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if only. Yes, because the whole premise is that they're, he's telling the story of the Happy Valley, which is blessed by a magic harp that is a woman who, instead of wings, of like a fairy who, instead of wings, has a harp attached to her instead. Seems pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. But then one day it was gone. We later find out it's because the giant stole it. But yeah, that's how the valley fell into famine and that's Mm -hmm. where we come in on mickey donald and goofy where mickey is cutting translucent slices of bread and bean for them to eat sandwiches out of yep and you see donald (laughs) with a wild look in his eyes yeah this was a one bean three men yes (laughs) and donald doesn't want to eat his translucent sandwich no Donald wants to eat the cow. Yes. By killing it with an axe. Yeah. Which I do want to know what's up with this demented duck because aren't ducks vegetarians? This one's had a hard life, Galley. This one's been in the wars. This one has had a very hard life. Um, But I really, so 
this is one of my problems with this with this uh short donald wants to eat the cow mm-hmm. goofy and mickey are like no how dare you how can you kill our beloved cow right so instead they come up with a better plan to sell the cow to somebody else who's definitely going to eat it yeah because that's how it all works if it's it's fine if we don't do the killing yeah but it's also fine because they don't end up actually selling it what happens is mickey gets straight swindled and this guy or whomever because it all happens off screen Mm -hmm. uh he just comes home and is like i brought back some magic beans of course and let's just gloss over who mickey sold the cow to and how like this whole transaction took place exactly so this is this is the part where uh it's probably my like favorite line or sequence from this whole movie um so Edgar Bergen, the ventriloquist, is the one who's narrating this whole tale. And every single line he says is followed up by the puppet, Charlie McCarthy, chiming in with some asinine response. That was incredibly annoying. But uh, because of that, Edgar stops and turns to the puppet and says, I could save a lot of time by not telling the story at all. And Charlie responds, your idea is not without merit. (laughs) and i just i really liked that i actually had a couple of lines that i I liked of his where um yeah edgar um was saying something like a lack of music brings misery and charlie goes like eighth grade (laughs) i was like "Ooh, charlie i don't want to relate to you but that's a little relatable or where he was saying like uh, oh earlier he was saying everything was beautiful until something happened and charlie goes one day they built a schoolhouse yeah. <laughs> i wrote down i think i was charlie in my last life <laughs> i was like this sounds like me <laughs> everything you say i'm like ah oh, maybe mine might be a little more clever but that's me just being like i've got a quip and i was like shut up uh if only he wasn't a puppet if only he wasn't a puppet. Um, but it doesn't matter because uh, once the beans start growing, they grow and take like through the house and take the house apart and are like tearing like gently sort of way tearing the beds apart so that while the guys are sleeping, they're like being supported by the vines. But then the vines are kind of holding up the furniture for them. And I just want to know how much Ambien they took. Because they slept through the whole process of the house being taken apart and lifted miles off the ground. Yeah, there was a little bit of like a whole tentacle monster part of this too. Because yeah. there's there's a sequence where the plant is trying to figure itself out. And it climbs up Mickey's um, leg like under the sheets and tries to get into his mouth a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little creepy. But then I it's mean, like, oh, just creepy. kidding. But then it's just like, shh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about what I'm putting in your mouth as I am touching you all over and bringing you up to the clouds with my crazy beanstalk. Yeah. And they get there and realize that there's a massive castle. So they run to it. And I would try to squeeze under the door of a castle where the door was that big. It's clearly giant shape. But they just knock really loudly. Well, what you, so, so you, um, glossed over also the bombing dragonflies. Oh yeah. I forgot about them. Yeah. So they, they see the giant castle and immediately like any good Dungeons and Dragons party, they're like, all right, let's go immediately to the boss and see what's up here. Um, <laughs> yep. That's only me. to get there, they have to be in a boat. 
and made out of a leaf made out of a leaf and they spy these massive dragonflies um and i think donald says it's donald yeah where he makes a joke about like bombing and then the dragonflies actually bomb them well it's because he pretends shoots at one of them yeah he was like bombers and then he does the thing where he's like like, i guess the dragonflies understand the war yeah i guess they were on (laughs) the opposite side oh dear oh dear this is donald living out his uh nazi killing fantasy (laughs) but but then they do make it to the castle uh unscathed Um, somehow somehow they get in and they kind of explore around and they see a giant table with a whole bunch of food so they're very happy and they go and mess with the food and goofy tries to eat giant peas with a knife yeah because that's how um peas are handled i understand that the only respectable tool to eat peas is a knife but I feel like with giant peas, you'd have an easier time of getting them in your head. Just use your hands. Presumably, yes. I mean, if if Honey the Kids have taught us anything, that's how you should be eating food is with your hands. But not Goofy. No, they also don't bother to be quiet at all, which is baffling to me. Because again, you don't know who lives here. And lucky for them, the first thing they discover is that the harp, the magic harp that's been stolen from the valley it's being locked in a treasure chest so they find the harp and she's like hey a a dragon a giant stole (laughs) me and locked me in here and they're like a giant and then he comes around the corner who can shapeshift he's a giant who says he can shapeshift and turn invisible and turn invisible and is the goofiest looking goober I think that we've we've seen as far as like giant villains go. <laughs> yes. And Mickey gets them all caught by hiding in his sandwich. So what? when the giant, whose name is Willie, goes to put pepper on his sandwich, Mickey just fucking sneezes. And Willie catches him and holds him in his hand and Mickey bullshits his way out of it by pretending to read palms. And I, that's how I would read palms because I don't understand the actual art of it. I would just be like, yeah, that's what that means. Yeah. I mean, presumably this guy doesn't understand it either. I, I do want to point out um, the giant's sandwich, I think, contained chocolate pot roast with cream gravy. Ew. Because that's what he calls out when he's like, ooh, food smells good. Ooh, look, a chocolate pot roast with cream gravy. And then we see him eating a sandwich. Chocolate pot roast with pistachio cream gravy because he didn't know how to stay pistachio. Yeah. Ew. Agree, right? Doesn't that sound nasty? But yeah, after Mickey manages to deceive him, he's he does the old classic uh, I bet you can't do all that stuff you say you can and tries to get the giant to turn himself into a fly because he's spotted a fly swatter. But Willie has my aesthetic and wants to be a pink bat- rabbit instead. Which I think is a way better idea. So he pretends he's going to turn into a fly. So Mickey, Goofy, and Donald all grab the fly swatter, but he turns into a rabbit instead. Well, he even pretended to compromise by saying, okay, I'm going to be a fly but with pink ears. Yeah, he's like, I'll do the pink wing fly. (laughs) Yeah, or pink wings, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, and then he turns into a rabbit and gets mad that they were going to squash him. 
So he locks them. Well, he only catches Donald and Goofy, right? And locks them away in a chest. Yeah. He captures um, Donald and Goofy, locks them away in the chest that had the golden harp. Yes. He took out the harp so that she could, I don't know, sing to him or something. Yeah. And and then the harp is able to chat with Mickey and be like, hey, this is how you got to take this guy down. Yeah, so she's like, all right, I'm going to put him to sleep for you, which she does. And then you have to get the key out of his um, shirt pocket. Mm-hmm. So Mickey does manage to get down there. He's lowering himself down on a piece of string to get the shirt, to get the um, key. But I guess he didn't know where it was. So the harp just starts actively singing to him, like, it's in his right shirt pocket. The key is there. I don't remember the melody, but yeah. she's telling him where it is. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Mickey finds the pocket, but that pocket is full of a little jar of snuff. And we know how Mickey is with powder. Mm-hmm. He's going to get it in his giant mouse nose and then sneeze all over the place. Yep. And when your pocket sneezes, yeah, got to check that out. Exactly. But, you know, here's the thing, though, is that unlike the pepper, Willie wasn't prepared for this. So he also gets a face full of the snuff and sneezes, which is how he loses Mickey. (laughs) Like, the dumbest blunder in history. And then they just grab the harp and escape, like the regular fairy tale. That was the whole thing. Grab the magic harp and escape. Get down faster than the giant. Cut Mm -hmm. the beanstalk, and he falls, presumably to his death. But in this version, we have to go back to Puppet Land. Yeah, we have to go back to real-life Puppet Land, um... Where Jiminy Cricket, who was at this party, uh, drank his little cricket butt off. He has an incredibly high tolerance for alcohol. And we have Edgar Bergen, the ventriloquist, um, yep. trying to, I guess, calm down his other puppet, Mortimer, who was yes. sad about the giant dying. He's like sobbing. He's like, Willie was really a good giant. He was a good giant. Yeah. And I think Edgar's the one that says, well, he's just a figment of your imagination. Yes. Cue Willie showing up in real life and taking the uh, lid off of their house, like the roof off of their house, like you yeah. go to dollhouse. Exactly. <laughs> just pops seen- that right open. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, hey, guys, have you seen Mickey? Like Edgar passes out, house. by the way. He does pass out. Immediately. And then as Willie's leaving, Mortimer is like, shh, don't wake him up. So Willie very gently places the roof back down and then goes stomping through LA. And one thing he does is he picks up the brown derby, which is shaped like a derby hat, and he uh, puts it on his head. Yep. Because it's not a building. No, it's a hat for a giant. And it always has been. Always has been. And that's the end. Yeah, that is the end. It does have, as you said, a bit of a sign out with, you know, Willie putting the roof back on the house and then going about through Los Angeles. Mm hmm. It's great, I guess. Great, I guess. Uh... I don't I don't know. Honestly, I was like, I was I was I'm going to say I was pleasantly surprised by the fact that they even attempted to wrap up this movie with any form of ending, because that's more than what we've got in the past. Agree. I agree uh do you have anything else on this movie 
No, I I just dislike puppets in any of my Same. Disney movies. Same. So that, thought. that leads me into the eternal question. Oh. Did you like it and do you recommend it? Oh, okay. You know, I'm going to say that I uh I actually liked this movie overall. Okay. Um I think that Bongo was good. I think that Bongo was a a fun little uh short. I really liked the character designs. Um and it's just it's so stupid. Like mm-hmm. the reason for why bears show their love is just completely stupid. Right. Uh, and Honestly, Mickey and the Beanstalk, we've seen it 5 million times before, so eh, yeah. go ahead and throw it in. Um, so I recommend it for, honestly, the reason that you've probably already watched this movie before. So maybe you should just watch both of the segments together and see this really weird through line with live action. But what about uh, you? I don't like it and I don't recommend it. I'm going strike for strike. I think that Mickey and the Beanstalk is worth watching, but I think you can watch that independently. I didn't like Bongo enough to merit recommending the film. That's fair enough. Well, you're probably also not going to like the next film. No, I don't think so. But tell me anyway. Well, we are still staying with the package era for just a couple more films. uh, And our next one is going to be Melody Time. Which, once again, has segments in it. Um, I'm just going to give the title of these segments and say nothing about them so everyone's imaginations can just go wild. Okay. Once Upon a Wintertime. Bumble Boogie. The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. Little Toot. (laughs) Trees. Blame It on the Samba. And Pecos Bill. Great great yep yep that's that's it i can't wait for trees to be about like murderous trees or something like that awesome well i'm not looking forward to that at all do you have anything else in this episode i have nothing else in this episode but to say so long glamour boys so long glamour boys damsels who discuss is created and produced by crow's nests podcast your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thirumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word. On Instagram at instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>